Thank you to Micah Dellen. Let us pray. Dear God, by your tender, tender mercy, may your dawn from on high break upon us yet again to bring light to those of us sitting in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet, we need guiding, into your way of peace. And we pray this through Jesus, the light of the world. Amen. So has anyone here ever noticed how the first four opening chapters of the Gospel of Luke have all the feel of a Broadway musical? You know how a musical goes, right? You know, you have a little bit of dialogue, you have a little bit of narrative, and then, boom, suddenly someone is singing and raising their voices in song. By my count, in Luke, this happens six different times in the very first four chapters. First Mary, my soul doth magnify the Lord. Then Zechariah today, blessed be the Lord God of Israel. Then the angels over Bethlehem, and you can hear Handel breaking out here, glory to God in the highest. Then Simeon holding the baby Jesus, my eyes have seen the salvation of our God. Then John the Baptist, prepare ye the way of the Lord. And then Jesus himself in the Nazareth synagogue, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. In Luke's musical Gospel. We move from one soaring solo to the next. And today we want to spend special attention or pay special attention to the solo that Zechariah sings. As we've just heard, he and his wife Elizabeth are getting on in years. They're no spring chickens anymore when they suddenly become pregnant with their miracle child. And being faithful Jews that they are, they gather together with their relatives and their their neighbors for the circumcision of their newborn child on the eighth day of his life. To dedicate his life to God. And we follow that precedent in our own church each year as well. But then suddenly there's a great hubbub about what this little child is to be named. Everyone expects Zechariah, that he'll be named after his dad. But Elizabeth sets everybody straight. No, he's going to be called John. And then Zechariah, with the help of a tablet, not electronic, but slate, confirms her choice. And it's at this point that you can't you just hear the Broadway 
strings down in the pit beginning to swell, that Zechariah's tongue is suddenly loosed, he's filled with the Holy Spirit, and he breaks into a rapturous solo. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, he belts out. It's a joyful song of praise that comes at us so rapidly that we can easily miss or not even understand what he's saying. It's first and foremost a solo all about God. God's tender mercy. God's righteousness. God's covenant loyalty. God's faithfulness. God's peace and shalom. And how all of these things are about to be fulfilled and to be embodied in a coming and newborn Savior. And this little John that Zechariah is cradling in his arms is to be the one who's going to help get his people ready, prepared for the time of their visitation from God in Jesus the Savior. And the big question here is, will the people be ready? Will we? Three years ago, some friends went to see the musical Hamilton when it was in its early test run at the Public Theater in New York City. Now, for my friends, it was a last-minute decision. And they got seats up in the last row of the top balcony behind a pole. All right, can you picture that? And they had absolutely no preparation whatsoever for what they were about to see. Now, what you have to know is that Hamilton, created by Lin-Manuel Miranda, is a musical about our white founding fathers played mostly by people of color. And if you don't know that and you just go there uninitiated, that's pretty confusing. Just imagine. And it's also a a musical that is wrapped at blistering speed sometimes. And so my friends told me later up in the nosebleed section... It was like drinking water from a fire hose. And I have absolutely no doubt that I would have had exactly the very same experience. And so when my family went to go see Hamilton in Chicago two summers ago, a year after that, I vowed that we were going to be a family ready for Hamilton especially after we remortgaged our house to pay for the tickets. (laughs) Amen? Some of us have remortgaged our houses. So, in preparation, I had the soundtrack 
playing on our stereo every day for weeks. Just ask my poor family. I carefully read through Miranda's script and the story of how he wrote each song. And then, while we were driving from Lancaster all the way to the Windy City, we read out loud to each other a detailed introduction to each and every song, and then listened to it. There's 44 songs. 44 songs, one at a time, and it took us over three hours. But folks, let me tell you, when Eliza and Alexander and Angelica and George Washington and Aaron Burr, sir, each appeared on stage, we were ready. And the amazing thing is that the whole crowd was ready as well. The electricity in that room was absolutely amazing because everyone knew the music, everyone knew the song, and was happily drinking from the fire hose. Just an example, when King George appeared, no one was asking, who's that one white guy over there in the crown? Nobody. Instead, everyone was already cheering before he could even sing his very first snarky lines, you'll be back. And at the opening of his show in London, Lin-Manuel Miranda said something that I found especially insightful. He said to the interviewer, there is one overlooked collaborator that's absolutely crucial to the success of Hamilton each and every night. Do you know who it is? The audience. The audience. Us. Friends, this Advent season, we are remembering how God came to our world in a way that no one expected. God came to us through the child of an unwed mother, born in a village stable into a family that would soon become refugees in faraway Egypt. God drew near to us in ways that just about everybody found unexpected, bewildering, disruptive, and surprising. And I believe God still does. And so in this Advent season, we want to be a people, an audience that is getting ready for the coming of Christ our Savior. Rejoicing in His coming to our world 2,000 years ago. 
anticipating his final coming at the end of history and time and prepared for all of his billions of comings to us in between in our lives. His first coming in Bethlehem. You notice I never say his second coming because he comes and comes to us again and again until his final coming. Friends, at this darkest season of the year, in the deep midwinter, we want to be a people getting ready, watching, waiting for the coming of Jesus, the light of the world. And so that's why it's so crucial for us here Sunday after Sunday to immerse ourselves in the script of God's story, a.k.a. the Bible. To take in and understand all that Malachi and Zechariah are trying to communicate with us here today. To remember yet again God's tender mercy both long ago and still today. How God intends to forgive all our sins and to use all of our mistakes in our favor. To remember again that our righteousness, our capacity to live justly and to love well, this comes from God, not us. We're not called to self righteousness, but God-righteousness. To remember that God's character is fundamentally faithful and covenantal. God, Zechariah is telling us today, is the great and loyal keeper of promises. I will be your God, and you will be my people. And part of being God's people, Malachi tells us, I hope you heard that verse 5, is to share God's special concern for the orphan, the widow, and the stranger in our land. And part of being God's people, John the Baptist tells us, is to repent, to turn every part of our lives Godward. Flattening out the high mountains. Straightening out the crooked places. Filling in the valleys. Friends, what might that turning toward God mean in your life here today? Zechariah closes his solo today with one of the most hope-filled lines in all of the Bible. By the tender mercy of our God, the dawn from on high will break upon us 
to give light to those sitting in darkness and the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. To paraphrase the poet Jan Richardson, I cannot tell you how God's light comes, but that it does. And God's light has a special fondness for human bodies and enfleshment. God's light invites and delights in our collaboration as the audience. God's light loves to shine through our eyes, our hands, our hearts to those around us. In this coming week, who are you being called to share the light with? And dear friends, in this season of getting ready, let us open and open more and open still to the blessed light that comes. Amen.